What's going on, everybody? This is George Khalifa, and this is episode 13 of Let's Grab Coffee. It's a podcast I put together to interview super successful people in different industries, friends of mine, connections of mine, and give you a little taste of what they do, their stories, their background. Today, I'm joined by none other than Brian Rashid. This guy is the expert on branding, messaging, and communication for you and your business. Uh, he's a CEO and founder of A Life in Shorts. It's a modern-day marketing, digital media, and communication strategy company. It tells, it helps companies tell their story like never before. He's also an international speaker. He talks about branding. He talks about how to actually monetize your audience and how to how to actually effectively storytell what you're doing, whether it's a product, a feature, uh, or yourself as a personal brand. He's fluent in Spanish. Uh, he's also, I mean, I think he's, he's actually in Colombia right now. I just discovered this. So he travels between NYC, New York, and, and, uh, and Colombia. Super cool dude, global reach. Uh, and he actually spent five years, very interesting fact, spent five years uh, being a speechwriter for Mayor uh, Mike Bloomberg's administration. Very cool uh, background. And also actually holds a JD from the City University of New York, uh, CUNY School of Law. Super, super cool dude. Can't wait to have this discussion. Brian, thanks a lot for doing this, man. George, real pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So, so look, I did a little intro about yourself. Tell us who you are. Give me like a two to five minute gist. Who's Brian Rashid? Sure. You know, I grew up in the middle of America in a city called Peoria, Illinois. Uh, father is Lebanese. My mother's Irish. And, you know, in Peoria, Illinois, sports are a really big thing. And so I spent the first 20 years of my life really, really in that world. Uh, for, you know, I played college football. I was recruited to play Division One college football, which was kind of a dream of mine at the time. And after a couple of years, I suffered a few really serious, massive concussions, which at the time was heartbreaking for me because I had to give up the thing that I loved the most and taught me basically how to be a person, a leader and discipline and hard work and all these things. And, and, uh, but in, in retrospect, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because my world opened and I moved to Europe and I spent some time in Italy studying abroad. And then I went to San Francisco and then you know, I, I had some political aspirations. I, I, I've always been since very, very young, this idea of moving millions of people into a better life is something that's been something that's just deep inside of me. I remember following my mom around the house when I was literally three years old, continuously asking her if she was happy, if she was happy, if she was happy. I just really wanted the people around me to be happy. And then when I, um, when I even eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, I remember telling my mom, mommy, I really want to help millions of people. And so I thought, you know, at that time that becoming the mayor of New York City or having some political involvement in some way in such a big city would be a fun way to, to give back to a community. And so I went to law school. I went to law school at CUNY, which is a, a law school that focuses on service of human needs. I'm very, very much about helping uh, people that, that don't have a lot of people looking out for them. So I, um, you know, I did three years there, quickly realized I did, definitely didn't want to be a lawyer but I thought it would be a nice kind of segue into becoming a politician in New York. And so when you want to become the mayor of New York City, the best thing to do is go work for the mayor of New York City. So I worked for Bloomberg. And at first it was uh, on his reelection campaign. I was in charge of recruiting volunteers up in northern Manhattan and Washington Heights uh, at Harlem. And then after that, they, you know, he called me into his office, said, you really you nailed the, the campaign. You did a great job for us. We want to keep you in the administration. What do you want to do? And I said, I want to write speeches. And so um, I, I did that for the next three years. And then, you know, what I, what I quickly learned was I had a skill for taking a tremendous amount of information and whew, synthesizing it down to the main points of the story. And, you know, I'd get 50, 60, 70 pieces of paper and they'd tell me, turn this into a one minute speech. Mm-hmm. And so I quickly realized what was really important about things. And I, then I started to realize 
man, communication and the storytelling side of things are really, really important. And so I, I basically just got sick of having a boss. I, I love Bloomberg. I love them. I love working for him. I love Jonathan Mintz, the commissioner uh, that I worked for as well. And both amazing, amazing leaders. But I just, I'm a, you know, this George, I'm Lebanese, man. It's in our blood to be entrepreneurs. Like we can't work for people, you know? So, so I, I kind of embraced that and went out on my own, moved to San Francisco and this is almost six years ago, started my own communications firm because what I found was that, you know, whether it was a politician or whether it was a tech startup or whether it was an executive at a, at a company, everybody has to figure out how to tell their story in the most exciting way possible because you can have the best product in the world, but if you can't tell the story in a way that's exciting and gets people connected to you in some way that makes them spend their hard-earned money on the thing that you're doing or, in Bloomberg's case, hard-earned time as a volunteer or vote – uh, as you know, as a citizen, um, then then you really kind of don't have a prayer of of getting to where you want to be as a, as an entrepreneur or a professional or a politician or a nonprofit or whatever the case may be. And so, in a line, I've basically been able to figure out how to tell stories that sell. That's kind of my tagline. And then and and what that means is we we strategize, we build content, we advise, um, and everything in between. And so that's a quick three and a half minute uh, blurb about what who I am, but. Because of that, I get invited to speak uh, at at conferences around the world, and I love what I do. I can't imagine not doing it, and uh, and that's that's kind of the backstory. That's awesome, dude. Look, I, obviously, there's a lot of info in there that I want to sort of pick at. The, the first thing that you, you talked about was happiness. That was very important to you growing up. Um, yeah. You know this, obviously, as, as well as I do, um, and, and there's a great story around this where before you change others, you got to change yourself, right? If, I mean, if, you, if you're not in the right mindset, how can you actually help change someone or drive that positive energy? How was it for you? Like, what, what, was, your, what was your journey to, to become just happy with, with who you are, what you do, who, who you're becoming, who you will become? How, how was that? Well, I think the most important word that you said in, in the last 28 seconds is mindset, right? And, and so, you know, listen, I think that I'm very lucky. I think that I actually was born with a very, very positive, I've always always been, I can count on the number of both of my hands, the number of bad days that I've had in my whole life. And I think that that's, you know, that, that, that's a gift. I was born with that, but there are so many situations where I do have to work really hard to keep my mindset strong. You know, the world of entrepreneurship is very lonely and it's very, very difficult. And you have to, you have to navigate a lot of situations that don't feel good, whether it be firing people that you care a lot about or, almost being broke or being broke or having people tell you no a thousand times a year. There's a lot of things that you have to really train your mind to not take it personal and not wrap your self-esteem in that. So the first thing I would say is like I was really blessed with a very positive outlook on life. I think that everybody that's listening has the choice to be more positive, whether you, wherever you start as a base, right? I was here. Some people, I, I know loads of people that are as low as it goes. And then I know people in between, but every single person I've been able to see have make that choice to be happy. And for me, George, it's like this, man. It's like you can either be happy or you can dwell on things that will make you unhappy. And it's really what the thing I'm 35 now. And the thing that I've really kind of come to grips with in the last two years is it's you either choose to be happy or you don't, mm-hmm. uh, or you choose to dwell on the other stuff. And I just have, have really, really been working hard to train my mind to be indestructibly happy. And that doesn't mean that everything goes well. It just means that you choose to see the, the, the luck and the, the, the opportunity that you've been given as a human being to 
actually do something with your life that's meaningful. And for me, that's kind of the thing. I also had two great parents that like, had, was a perfect, was a great example of hard work and discipline. My mother is the most generous, happy person that I know. And so I, you know, I think that that really does matter a lot as well. What you see growing up first, you know, 18 years of my life was that. So that matters a lot too. And, and, and I just think that was, it's one of my superpowers is this ability to be happy and to continuously inspire people around me to be happy. And, and that's, that's kind of how I think about it. Love it. Well, it definitely shows you. I, I actually didn't even know you were 35. So, so. Oh, thanks, bro. Human. Kudos to that. I can't, see my, I can't see my gray hairs yet. No, that's amazing, dude. Honestly, I mean, you can tell from, from the health and, and, and just even talking about mindset as well, what, what it can do for you physically, mentally. Uh, I believe in it so much, George. Love it. Uh, one of the things I also wanted to talk to you, Brian, I mean, obviously in, in your story, there's this pivotal moment, right? You're doing your JD, you're, you're I mean, really in, 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 the, in the sort of legal field, what you were doing as a speechwriter, that's, that's almost the epitome. If you want to get into law, but also a vertical into politics, that's, that's almost like the high, right? Yep. But you also got to a point where you realized, man, that's not, that's not really for me. Like you almost had an itch, you know, to go into entrepreneurship, just pivot into something different. A lot of people watching this, I know for a fact, are going through this exact hurdle. The issue is a lot of people don't want to take the jump. So how did you do it? Well, so there are a couple moments of impact, I call them. And the first is sort of the, I, I at this time, at this moment in time, I had been working for the mayor for three years. I was completely sick of it. And, um, I was living at the time with my girlfriend and she, I came home from work one night and she had made this beautiful dinner and we sat down and I was bummed. And, um, she said, she looked at me and she said, you are such a free spirit. I don't know why you spend so much of your time suppressing that. And honestly, bro, that was like the moment that I was like, I don't either. I quit the next day. Wow. I literally quit the very next day. Um, but you know, from a, from a, that's a very micro example, but from a more macro thing, you know, I think that there's a lot of influence, right. That, that prevents people from doing what they actually want to do. And in some cases it's parents. And in some cases it's, you know, you have responsibilities that you're afraid that you can't cover. If you go out on your own, I would just tell every person that's watching or listening that doesn't feel like they can take that jump. I would ask them one question. I would ask them to look at their time and their spending patterns and their consumption patterns. And I would ask them if, if they could take a real honest look at those, at what I can almost guarantee because I've seen this in 98.5% of the cases is you're wasting a lot more time than you think. And you're spending money on a lot of things that you actually don't need. And you know, it's a phenomenon and especially in America, like the, there are studies that show that the more money you make, the more stuff you buy. And you don't even need the stuff that you're buying. And so it's just like a thing that happens when you get a raise, you buy stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, I think, and, and this is the same thing. Like I have so many friends that say, oh, bro, I'm so busy. And I'll say, I'm going to follow you around for a day. Or I want you to literally journal every minute of your day. And they come back to me the next day or a week later and they'll say, dude, I actually waste like two to three to four hours a day. And they're not even, it's not like wasting it watching TV. It's like I was on Facebook and then I watched a YouTube video and before I knew it, an hour right. went by. And, and so, so I would say, you know, a lot of the fear around doing the thing that you really want to do is because you don't think that you have the time or you don't think that you can make the money. But when you really audit your time and really audit how you're spending your money, then it, it becomes a little bit easier to take that risk because you can say, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go on three dates this week and spend a hundred dollars every night. I'm going to go on two, right? I'm going to go on one. I'm going to save that extra 200 bucks and 
you know, that's $2,400 over the course of a year. And that sounds small, but, you know, in a lot of places, if you're living, $2,400 is enough to get your side business started. And so, and then also the same thing with time. So I would say that. I would say, first of all, figure out who's holding you back yeah. and talk to them about it. Figure yeah. out why they're holding you back. Right. And, and second of all, audit your time and your, and your spending patterns and see what is the bare minimum amount of money you can spend a month and still be okay to have the life that you want. And then go and then figure out how to do that and spend less money to do the thing that you really want to do. Awesome points, man. You were, you were just preaching there. So I was in the zone, but, uh, you know, the physical <laughs> things that, that I, I obviously resonate with and, and I get asked a lot, you know, it's, it's almost like the, the time management, right? Like how do, how in a, in, a, in a span of 24 hours can you fit, you know, full-time work podcast, do, doing this, doing this. And I'm sure you get the same because, because, you know, obviously we're, we're on the same, same hustle here, but, you said some really, really interesting points around actually auditing your time. I love that word because when you actually put it to paper, not in terms of, as you said, I mean, if you're watching, you know, an hour of Netflix just to sort of recuperate and get yourself back, that's that might be productive, right, in the span of what you're doing relative. But but you said when you audit yourself, you might find some some points in there that you can actually fill with maybe starting a business, starting an idea, get, getting yourself going or go, hitting the gym, right? I think everybody has time. You don't make it. it it's almost like... You have time. You just got to make, make time for it, right? Um, totally. How, how do you keep yourself organized? I'm, I'm really, really curious. Like, give us maybe, you know, a day in the life and, and how, how do you manage all, all the shit that you have to do? A day in the life, it, it varies. But like, like, you know, for example, I'll give you a day in life today, right? I am, it's extremely hard for me to wake up early in the morning because I am, okay. I'm a very, I'm a night owl. I work best at night. Um, and so be, falling asleep before one, or 12 or one is really hard for me. I envy people that can go to sleep at nine or 10 and wake up at five or six. I would love to do that. I've tried it so many times. I just think my circadian rhythms are different, you know, and everybody has a different rhythm. And so like what I, so for example, last night I would, I was working until about one, one thirty in the morning. I woke up today at nine, uh, breakfast meeting with a team at 10. I'm here in Columbia. So things start a little bit later. Um, and so, you know, I had a meeting with the team at 10 and we, I mean, Honestly, George, I will say this. When I'm working, I'm working, and I'm a very intense worker, and I hate to waste even a minute. Um, so we did a bunch of stuff today. I'm, you know, I'm, I have a new videographer here. He's doing, we're doing a daily vlog around a competition that I'm launching here in, here in Latin America to find and invest in the best entrepreneurs of Latin America and bring them to Silicon Valley uh, on my dime. And so um, we are documenting that whole process. And so we're, we went through, we spent two or three hours today going through different video clips and him showing me stuff and me kind of training him as to how I want this thing to look. Um, and then, you know, I met with my head of business development and we went through uh, a complete back end revamp of the competition itself, two or three or four or five hours of calls and meetings and how is this going to look and who can apply and how is the application working? And we tested that, you know, and then, back to my video team, did a couple more videos. And then I had a call with an investor that or with a cl potential client that wants to find an investor that wants to hire me. You know, it's dude, the thing that I really want every single person that's listening or watching to understand is the life of an entrepreneur is not sexy. Mm -hmm. It's so much bullshit work, man. It's like so much hard work, phone call, phone call, meeting, meeting, phone call, phone call, meeting, meeting. The difference is, when it's yours, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it's different. that's it. It's, it's different. All, so it's, all it's everything. So what I would say is how do I stay organized? I just, I just recognize that um, 
you know, like last night I spent from nine o'clock at night. No, I spent from five o'clock at night until one o'clock in the morning, kind of outlining how I wanted the week to, to look. You know, I think also as an athlete, and this is again, kind of knowing where, where your strengths and weaknesses come in as an athlete, dude, I was like, I was like a robot. Right. I was a robot, you know? And so like time management just came so naturally to me because of what I learned from football. Um, Cause it would be, you know, you know, team breakfast at eight class from nine to two, film from two to four practice from four to seven weights from seven to eight dinner team, eight to nine, nine to 12 homework every day, you know? And so that, that kind of prepped me for this. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, every day is different, but I think it's a lot of phone calls, a lot of meetings. It's a lot of business development. We're DMing a hundred people a day on Instagram, seeing if they want to shout out or a competition here in Latin America. Um, just a lot of, a lot of work, man. And so, uh, you know, I, and then, and then, I'm trying to do more writing. I'm trying to, I go and speak and then I'm, I interact with all my fans and like, I personally, Brian respond to everybody. You and I, like, that's how you and I met. We started jamming. Like we started, you know, I was like, Oh, this guy's awesome. He's interacting. He's cool. I've checked out your page. And so I just believe so much in that, you know, I don't, I don't outsource that at all. Um, and that's, and that's kind of like the day, but I guess if I'm going to give, I don't know if that's helpful for people, but if that, if I can give you one thing that I would say it's, and it goes back to kind of auditing your time just because, and I used to be guilty of this, just because you are in the office for nine hours a day doesn't mean you're getting nine hours a day of work done. Mm. I used to say, you know, when I was studying for the bar exam, I would say, oh my God, I'm studying so much. The truth is I was in the library five hours a day, but for one hour of those five hours, I was eating with friends. The other hour I was trying to like talk to girls, you know? So it's like of those five hours, I actually studied for three. I would have been a better use of my time to actually just study for three and then leave and go do something fun. Yeah, it, it's it's also weird how there, there's this connotation, you know, of, of whoever stays the longest or, uh, you know, who, who works, quote unquote, the hardest. But but as you and I both know, it's also working smart too. figuring yeah. out, you know, what, what you're good at, what you're meant to do, what you're not meant, meant to do. I think you opened up with, with a good with a good liner there that, that you said, look, like entrepreneurship isn't isn't really sexy. And by no. sexy, it's, it's not sexy, but it's, it's super fun to you. And you do it because you're doing uh, like almost almost a category of entrepreneurship that, that you love. So if if someone who's who say a, a full on like maybe intro, introvert, meant for analytics, maybe a you know software developer, if if he or she is looking at this and saying, ah man, you know what? I go on on Brian's Instagram and I see all the speaking doing. I, I would all the traveling. I would love to do that. If they did it one day, you know of what you do, then the, the, all of a sudden. Right, what doesn't seem like work, like oh my, he's speaking, right? Like what, what's that? You go on stage, and all of a sudden you're like, holy shit! Like what is that? How how is he able to do it so fast, so efficiently? Right? Yeah, I think you know, I think what you're hitting on here, which is super important, is in is know your strengths and just do as much as you can around them. As like, I'm looking at right now, like literally, I'm looking at my video guy. He's editing a video. He's been editing the same video for the last 45 minutes. I would lose my mind. Yes, like yeah. I would literally. Like I, he keeps rewinding and then like now he's like doing it. I've seriously seen the same clip for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> lose my mind, you know, but, and, and the introvert would lose their mind. So it's, it's all about, listen, every single one of us has a strength. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. So if you're watching this, how does one go, go about finding it? I think a couple of different ways. I, I think are really helpful. And this is a question I get all the time. Number one, I think, think about the things that you spend your free time talking about or reading or learning about. Okay. Right. I mean, I spend my free time interacting with other entrepreneurs or I spend my free time exploring culture or I spend my free time thinking through 
um, you know, content. I well, you know, will watch something to figure out like what creatively that does for me to create my own version of that for content. And that I enjoy that, right? Um, so I think, how do you spend your time? What videos do you watch? What books do you read? Who are you talking to about what over dinner that gets you really excited? Um, and then the second thing is think about what, what are the kinds of things that people come to you for advice on, mm. you know, because if, if you, if you get repeatedly and you know, this is people come to me and say, what should I say? What should I say? What should I say? And after a hundred times of that, I remember, I thought to myself, Brian, you're actually a master communicator because people keep asking you what they should say. What should I communicate? And so that you should probably figure out a way to use that skill in a business sense. And so, you know, if people come to you for relationship advice all the time, or people come to you for cultural advice, or if you're a great chef and they want to know the recipe, you can probably build something around that um, because other people have already identified your value without you shoving it down their throats. So those are the two ways that I would, I would say. And then the third way, which is, I think a little bit um, is, is equally as practical as you ask the 10 people that know you the best, what you, what they think you're the best at, right? You know, my mom, my dad, my brother, my seven best friends, you know, what, what do you guys think I'm good at? And that's a really cool insight, you know, and some people have told me things that I've never even thought about. Um, you know, you're unapologetically um, dedicated to living your truth or you're unapologetically dedicated to creating business on your terms that's that's an insight that I you know may not have thought about. So those are the three things that I'd say. That's awesome, man. And I think you dropped a lot of you know sort of good keys right there. If I'm if I'm to use you know DJ Khaled's little little hook, um, but I, I love I love especially the fact that you said, look, like obviously first, if you have EQ, you know yourself, wonderful, do something about it. Actually, build the courage. I know easier said than done. Uh, everybody watching, but you you got to just. You know, actually, actually pursue something that you love. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable. And what, I mean, you only have one of this, right? There is no one repeat. You, you have like 28,000 days, right? I always say that, and every day I say it, it almost puts it in, in, in perspective because I lose it too, right? You can get in this mix, even if you're an entre entrepreneur. You're also gonna gonna have a routine in, in your day. It might be, you know, it might not be the the traditional nine to five, but you're also gonna you you might you might hit status quo very easily, even as yep. call yourself an entrepreneur. One of the things I also wanted. To build that for, for someone who's watching who might not be there yet, but also for someone who is there, how can they get these speaking opportunities? Like how, how does one actually go about becoming a speaker? I think that there is no like roadmap to that, right? I, I mean, you can't just Google it and be like, Hey, how do I Google? How do I get on the TEDx stage? Like it, it's kind of. Yeah. So, so, so there's a couple different things, right? It's like, first of all, you have to understand, do you, why do you, what do you want to, what is your speaking career? Want, what do you want your speaking career to look like? In other words, do you want to become like, you know, I would say 35% of my salary is speaking, mm. right? Which is a sizable amount of money for, for, uh, a sa you know, for, for a speaker. Yeah. Some speakers make, you know, $1,000 a year, $5,000 a year, $10,000 a year, whatever. So, so I think that the, the first thing you have to say is, do you want to speak because you want to make money or do you want to speak because you really love it and it'll lead to other opportunities? You're using it as a gateway to get more clients or to sell your book or to just because you genuinely love the idea of speaking. So that's the first thing. The second thing you have to do is, and this is something that I tell everyone is, you know, pick a topic and the more niche the topic, the better, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I talk about, I talk about communication skills. You're never, ever going to get hired to talk about communication skills because it's too broad. 
you know, let's, let's drill down a little bit. I talk about, I, t I help tell their story too broad. I help law students tell their story too broad. I help third year law students prepare for interviews, getting better. I help third, third year law students prepare for interviews for jobs in the political arena, getting very close, nail it down one more time. And you have a real speaking topic. I help third year law students prepare for the first minute of their interviews. So they can blow it out of the water when they're looking to apply for jobs around the, in the political world, post law school graduation. Boom. Love. <laughs> so much easier to pitch a law school career services department. than I'm going to help your students with their interpersonal skills. So yep. the problem that most people that want to become speakers make is they go so broad that they sound like everybody else, right? So I would say, think about how you can go really, really, really niche. And the second thing I'd say is you got to let everybody know that you want it. You know, there are people, I still, I, I have friends, friends, good friends, George, that will say to me, Brian, what do you do? And I'm like, that's hilarious to me. Like they have no idea what I do because everybody's busy, man. And so the thing is, is that everybody's busy. Nobody's paying attention to what you're doing. And if they are, they forget it a second later. And so you have to constantly be in front of people. So you have to get that speaking topic down, make a list of the 10 to 100 to 1,000 people that you know that may either be interested or that know of someone that may be interested in this specific topic. Create a little media kit, a little one-page speaking tab, and then go do some speeches, record them, invite people for free. Dude, I invited seven people to my first speech. It was in an apartment in San Francisco. I got them all wine. I got them all drunk. And... <laughs> because of that, I got one other thing. And because of that next speech, I got one more thing. And I mean, I self-organized all my own speeches for the first year. Small steps, man. Small, and steps. small steps, bro. And don't, you know, just be, be humble and, and enjoy the process. And like, don't, don't, don't think that just because, and I had like a, you know, a decent background, but that may, that means nothing to people when you're new into the game. Love it. And, you're new into the game for many, many, many. I'm still new into the game. I'm six years in, new into the game. Interesting. Love that, man. Yeah. And thank you for sharing all these these uh, these tips and advice. I'm sure everybody watching this appreciates it. Before I end this off, I always ask uh, the person I'm interviewing, what's what's that one one best piece of advice that you can you can leave us with for someone watching to get them inspired, to get them to close this laptop and just go and do stuff? What is it? Trust yourself more. Done. Thank you so trust, much, Ryan. Trust yourself more <laughs> that you know what you want to do and that there's a reason that it's inside of you. You know, we in some cases we pick our fate, in some cases our fate picks us and then waits for us to act on it. You know, this is and listen, this is this is something that I'm working on every single day. This is my 2018 resolution, which is trust your intuition, trust your gut, trust yourself more because it's in you for a reason, act on it. And then if it fails, if you fail, right, then at least, at, at least you gave it a shot and at least you honored what you felt in that moment. Because I can tell you one thing, the worst thing in the world is thinking back on something that you wish you would have done and you didn't do because of fear or someone was holding back or worse of all, because you didn't trust yourself. No regrets, people. Trust yourself, know who you are and build the courage to just get after it like Brian Rashid. My man, thank you so much for doing this, dude. I honestly appreciate it. It was a real pleasure, George. We'll see you soon, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Peace, bro.